This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, host Tina Dakin-Luke interviews inspiring women on This Is Who We Are. Tina Dakin-Luke, and this is Who We Are. On my first day of Teachers College, the lecturer filled the board with teacher speak, aka jargon, and said, this looks like a foreign language to you now, but at the end of this graduate course, you will be fluent. Lifelong learning was a catchphrase on the board, and now underpins my, wait for this mouthful of a word, pedagogical philosophy. It is the ongoing, voluntary and self-motivated pursuit of knowledge for personal or professional reasons. It can support our competitiveness and employability, in addition to enriching social inclusion, active citizenship and the old faithful personal development. Some types include formal, non-formal, informal and self-directed. A growth mindset and the ability to reframe difficult situations are key qualities often present in lifelong learners as they embrace stepping out of the known into the new. Now, more than ever, we are being shown that we can't look outside of ourselves for stability or safety. The world for many of us is topsy-turvy right now. What we can control is how we respond. There lies our strength. Today, I'm thrilled to have a guest fluent in lifelong learning, and she is here to share about herself, her journey, and her understanding of resilience. So grab a drink, get comfy, and I will introduce her after this song. I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such are promises. All lies and chess, still the man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. When I left my home and my family, I was no more than a boy in the company of strangers in the quiet of the railway station, running scared. Seeking out the poor quarters where the ragged people go Looking for the places only they would know Asking only workmen's wages, I come looking for a job, but I get no offers. Just to come on from the wars on 7th Avenue. I do declare there were times when I was so lonesome, I took some comfort there. La, 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 la. Thank you. 
Welcome to the studio, Dorinda Britton. So lovely to have you today. Thank you, Tina. I've been looking forward to meeting you. It is exciting. Often when you're chatting to someone and you don't have a face, it it can feel a little bit out there in the ethers, can't it? Absolutely. I've still got my sunglasses on. Fancy that. (laughs) Well, we are in a bright studio, so it's kind of understandable. You can. Now, that song, it was The Boxer by Simon and Garfunkel. What was the meaning for you in choosing that song, Dorinda? I haven't in my life been a huge Simon and Garfunkel fan, let me just say that, but I had that um, playing on my car radio probably at the time um, when I had an accident uh, when I was a student at Canterbury, and it really resonates with me still. There's a couple of parts of the song in particular. It's not a very feminine song, but then I don't think I'm very I'm overtly feminine, though I have four children and I've brought up seven children. I kind of like, I don't think I'm overtly feminine. So, um, but there's particular parts that talk about um, you carry the reminders of the times when you were hit and 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 um, by surprises or um, venom from people or, you know, lack of trust from people, but you need to rise. And I like it because of that. I am, in that sense, um, a boxer, but I, over time, I fancy that I've learned how to do it better. And how have you learned how to do it better? What enabled that? Ah, <sighs> Frequent periods of self-reflection 
And I think you contacted me because on my LinkedIn profile, I told my audience that I had uh, asked someone to select at random uh, people from my database and ask them what I was known for. Yes. Other than drinking coffee, I said it was a bit <laughs> um, cheeky. Um, but but really the answers were in some cases quite confronting, but I do this regularly. Um, it's I'm not a great fan either of self-help books, but you have the power to uh, confront yourself and and try and improve yourself and your relationship with others. I totally agree with that because I often, you know, sometimes people will look at things black and white and they'll go, these are my strengths, these are my weaknesses. But for me, I always view that side as, well, they're my areas for growth. Absolutely. And you can't be good at everything. Hmm. And as what I've settled into my in my life is that I came from a generation, I'm in my, let's call it early 70s, but I'm well into my 70s. And in my lifetime, you had to be good at everything. Um, you know, you had to be able to pick up things and, and be able to figure out how to do them. Um, now with Google, you don't have to do that. You have to develop softer strengths. Mm. Um, empathy and understanding and context are the really big things for me. That they are really, really important. And yeah. the other bit too, and even in my generation going through school, it was still a bursary and you passed or you failed. Whereas what I love now in education is I'm seeing that there's a slant towards next step learning and we're viewing learning as more of a ladder so you, that you're on a step than the next step and you're not passing or failing in such a black and white way that you can use those areas to actually help you get on the next rung. I think that's important. I think um, in some ways, if I may be um, forthright, mm -hmm, I absolutely. think the education system has lagged behind. My, one of my particular, um, my particular focus at the moment, my, my overall focus is design, and I've been a design agnostic, so I trained in design. I don't like following the rules because they're there. I like to understand why. And so that led me to developing my own design framework. So I, I have lately uh, realised, a couple of years ago, I realised that um, the my strength would be to help people optimise their design teams, that they would um, understand that diversity is more than uh, gender or culture, that over and above that, not above it, sorry, but over that um, is neurodiversity. Mm, absolutely. And I come from a family <laughs> who have been blessed with neurodiversity. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in it, it's a difficult one because the uh, and suddenly it's all um, on the net at the moment about neurodiversity. But I've got two projects at the moment. One is trying to optimise teams in... Uh, tech companies mm -hmm. um, by bringing in, deliberately bringing in neurodiverse people. The other is um, bringing in different people in a rural project. So it is about capacity, looking broader at capacity, not um, concentrating on closed borders and whinging about that, but saying, hey, in New Zealand, we have capacity to do better. Where are they and where are the opportunities?
and they are there, but they finding there. them is, yeah, that well, is a skill set. That's right, and people have quite rightly hidden their um, so-called uh, problem. And and but I see it as uh, an as their their secret source, you know. So um, we need people who uh, question the status quo, or we just go round and round and round with the same results. Just put more money in, expecting a better result. Mm. So to me, that's a very important aspect of the design process, which has totally been overlooked. Absolutely. And how old were you when you knew what you wanted to do as a career? Do you remember? <sighs> I had no idea how to do it, which is why it's taken me 70-odd years to actually clarify it. Yeah. Uh, I hope I can live another 20 years because I need 20 years to actually make it work. To action. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if not, there'll be others. Um, so I was... Um, open to all sorts of experience in my life. I've been an experienced junkie. I'm not physically brave, in a sense, and there are reasons for that, but I but I am intellectually brave, and I'll say that of myself. So I'm endlessly curious. And so I absorbed all sorts of um, uh, experiences, including um, school, which I tested to lay asked me to leave, uh, university, which I tested to the int, and then they asked me to leave. I went out working as a contractor in design. I hated the work. I went to New Guinea. I read it, uh, threw a coin on a map or and twisted a match and landed in a part of New Guinea, northern New Guinea, I knew nothing about. And uh, that is where I started to, away from the everyday, the, the, the commonness of experience in New Zealand at the time, really stretched me. And I eventually um, met up with a sea captain, went to sea, uh, <laughs> became the mother of his children, um, and... Um, there I had my experience when we were carrying beer to outlying islands of uh, a one-way system where we were flooding pristine environments with beer bottles. Wow. And I decided that my life, well, I said to my, my then husband, we have to do something about this. He said, we'll lose our contracts. And we did. And yep. that's always a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But I made up my mind that something needed to be done. And I was shocked when I came back to New Zealand many years later to find that the same thing applied. So you chose your integrity. I that chose integrity. Um, I'm a bit of a test for many people. They don't particularly uh, like it. Um, yeah. Where did the tenacity to trust your innate strengths come from, do you think? Were you born that way? To rephrase Lady Gaga? <laughs> I'm going to say something which is difficult to say, um, and I hope I'll be forgiven for it. But I was born an epileptic. I had petty mal, which is um, bad enough, but it's not a lifelong sentence. Um, you tend to grow out of it. And... Um, but um, I was on the outside looking in at life and people. I was regarded as being possessed. 
which oh. is an old biblical oh. thing. It's it, you know, but it, it it's okay. It's yeah. okay for me now. I don't dwell on that now, and I have had to confront that a lot in my life. But for people who were really, really believed word for word about from the um, of the Bible stories, then they would see it that way. Yeah. Um, I certainly don't blame people, but uh, it gave me a different perspective and it made me very determined uh, as a person to overcome whatever came my way. And you have. Well, I'm still working on it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's an everyday thing, isn't it? It's an yeah. everyday thing. Mm-hmm. But being brave enough to turn up and face it, that... That says something. It took me a long time. Um, I always felt odd. I never fit. Um, It's lonely. Um, Yeah, it's lonely, but I've been lucky enough. I've been very lucky with my family, and my children are fantastic, and they forgive a lot um, (laughs) about me. (laughs) So, yes. That is love, when we love somebody for all that they are. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. What are you most proud of in your career to date? Following my heart. I read a lot, a tremendous amount. And um, you mentioned before the word frame. This is something I've studied. Um, We've called it different things over the years, purpose, whatever, but that framing, that ability to uh, confront the frame and decide whether or not it's going to take you where you need to. But it's always based on um, my sense of purpose. Um, It's always based on um, love of people and country and um, the environment, people, and my faith that New Zealand can be the country and demonstrate to the world that we are on the way uh, to being a better nation. I I think that's very important. It is. And yeah. so that anchors me. So when you test the framework, and I'm in the middle of one of those right now, um, <laughs> confronting the whole business model and saying, is this the frame, is this the way? Uh, is is pretty constant, and it does frustrate some people. But it's needed. And the frustration is just actually asking them uh, to look at what they're reacting to in themselves, isn't it? So you can't take responsibility for how many people react around you when you are a, um, a rule breaker in that way. No. Um, I think you need to learn to behave, um, um, and I say that um, self-critically because... You know, feedback from people is that I'm uh, always critical of things. Um, I don't mean to be absolutely just critical, but it comes over like that, so I have to adjust that. That's not fair. Um, And I would say that I don't have the answers in my work. I do not – I'm not an expert. I'm a generalist. And um, make it very clear to people, and I mentor a lot of people have over the years, and I'm not a technical mentor, um, but I'll be there for them when they have crises of one way or another. <laughs> Everybody wants that. What well, is yeah. your definition of resilience and the role resilience plays in life and business? 
I think resilience, the, the, the basis of resilience is knowing who you are and accepting yourself and all your foibles um, and uh, being honest about that. You cannot be everything. Um, and I and I think that is and in, inside that is, I suppose that word forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself self for some things. Um, I'm I know what I'm good at, and I'm absolutely lousy at more things that I'm good at. But luckily, there are great people out there yes. who are good at those things. <laughs> Delegating is a strength. Yeah, sure. What core strengths do you see in hindsight your career has cultivated and how do you draw on them now? That's a good question because I'm standing at the, at the, at the um, stage of life now where I'm actually asking myself, what is legacy? Um, where can I do the best work? I can only ever be a, a very small piece, an infinitesimal piece of progress but where you can make the most use of your skills. Yeah. What have I answered your question? You have. You have beautifully. <laughs> what words of wisdom do you find yourself most often sharing with others? Mm, be do open. You, yeah. Um, I, in my office, I only employ students. From I live not far from Canterbury University and I have a sort of unstated arrangement with Canterbury. So I have mostly master's students um, and I only get them for a limited time in life um, where I'm sort of losing some now because of exams and, well, pressures of, of that and also pressures of having to earn more than I can pay them over the summer because, you know, someone like me doesn't make a lot of money. Mm. Mm. It's giving out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Occasionally I get a win and then it keeps me going for a year, but it's not the main purpose. Of, it's not the main driver. And so money is always an issue for me and, and I've become incredibly good at stretching a dollar. <laughs> that is a gift. <laughs> well, I came from a reasonably well-off family, so I was never taught that, ah. but I've learned it. Yes, definitely. So soft skills are being rebranded by many as core skills in the 21st century. What key attributes do you see being most valuable in the workplace now? Absolutely. This is why I'm so fascinated by dyslexic people. Yeah. Because they more than compensate in my mind. And, and um, the, the, one of the barriers to getting employment is the HR system. Yes, and absolutely. The, and, and the... Um, and the um, employment system, let's say, um, uh, it concentrates on reading and writing. But in my experience, they more than compensate by high levels of, of creativity, empathy, um, contextual knowledge, broad contextual knowledge. So they bring to teams totally, especially technical teams, such important values. And having judged the High Tech Awards for a quarter of a century now almost, <laughs> I have seen um, such disasters in front of me in terms of um, this technology is going to so solve 
um, the planet's woes without understanding how it will enhance real people's lives. Ah. So we need that now. It's really, yes. really interesting. We need it more than ever. Now to finish up on, what is left for you to conquer professionally and do you set micro and macro goals still? I do set goals. There are some challenges in front of me right now in terms of with my lack of resources to get things out when they need to be out. Uh, but I have to have faith that whatever happens, it will be the right time. I don't have any other options. Um, I, My goals, yes, is to, as I said, um, find my place to have an impact. Uh, I love working with young people. I, I absolutely want to continue doing that. Um, we have a duty, in my mind, to help the next generation or the next next generation in my case uh, to overcome the challenges. Mm. We've been part of creating those challenges, albeit we didn't know. Yes. But to actually say you care for your family and not care to help them, money isn't it. You can give them all the money in the world. It's not going to solve any problems. What you need to give them is help them with the right thinking. Yes. So it's not just about my family, it's about my students and getting them to open their eyes to a world outside. They will always say to me, oh, I'm busy with my study, I don't have time to read. Sorry, you do. Yeah. Uh, you must read widely. You make widely. choices. You yeah. make choices. You must read widely and not always on your phone. Mm because that's curated. Mm. You need to stretch yourself. So really, that's. I'm happy doing that. I would love to make some money to... Um, I'd love a better flow of projects to be able to fund what I do, but they will come if they come. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, for any young people out there or neurodiverse who might be interested in what they've heard today, how could they contact you? Easy to find on the internet, Dorinda Britain. Um, it's one thing that the internet does. <laughs> it, Creates it, connections. It displays you in all of your... <laughs> glory. Glory or... Uh, warts um, and all. Warts and all. Um, easy. Um, but my uh, email address is think, T-H-I-N-K, at dorendabritain.com. And I welcome talking to them. There are a lot of um, initiatives out there starting to um, uh, come to fruition right now around uh, revaluing dyslexia. Um, I'm not, a, I don't want to compete with them. I want to work with them. So there are many discussions happening. But my particular bent is that we, we, we need them. Yes. We're not going to feel sorry for them because mm. a lot of it is about correction. We need them as they are. Yes. My late brother was corrected and corrected and corrected in his life. He was a, a, a high-profile dyslexic. Um, it, it was agony for him. What he Only when he was old enough to do what he really wanted to do did he shine. Yep. And he shone well. Well, he shone in a, in a field that I wouldn't totally feel comfortable with now, but, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's how it is. Mm. 
Dorinda, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to speak with me today. And I can't wait to see what the next 20 years bring. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I feel really, really pinged off. Uh, That's the maximum I can think of having. Oh, I'm sure you could stretch a few more. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm always impressed and fascinated by the women who I end up sitting in front of and get to have a moment and a snippet to look into their lives. There's some amazing work happening in Christchurch and um, if you are neurodiverse or uh, you're a young person who thinks that you might even just want to have a chat, do feel free to uh, reach out to Dorinda. I can uh, vouch that she's very friendly and approachable. So I really hope that uh, this topsy-turvy time finds you managing okay and know that my care is with you. Kia kaha Christchurch.